Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. I just want to mention a few things before we dive into today's episode. The first thing is that if you would like to nominate somebody to be interviewed for the show, please send us an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. And also to stay up to date with who we're talking to and some of the pictures that go along with the stories, you can follow us on Instagram. And you can find us at Cowboy Stories underscore podcast. Anyway, back to the show. Today I had the opportunity to talk to Clint Heaton, and I hope that you enjoy the stories he has to share. say action. Ready, go. <laughs> My dad was like, are we rolling? Are we live? <laughs> but I'll just start off with the first question if you want. So I just like you to tell us a little bit about your childhood and the events that made you realize you wanted to get into ranching. Okay. So uh, I just grew up on a family ranch and I just loved it and loved horses, you know, and stuff like that. But but then the older I got, just the more I just loved it and just eat it up. Was that and here in Alton? Yeah, we grew up here in Alton and it was just, a, like I say, a family ranch, but lots and lots of family, so... <laughs> But, anyways, that's kind of my background. Um, How many cows did your family run? So, growing up, they had about 700 head, I think, 750. And then they ended up buying a couple of permits and stuff and kind of expanding a little bit. So, doing some reseeds clearings and stuff so they went they got a little bigger than that but when I was real young I remember them having just a few sheep like a hundred or two hundred head or something and we'd chase around once in a while and some horses and stuff we kind of raised them just some horses that we used on the ranch and stuff my uncle was a my uncle was kind of an old time cowboy that had chased wild cows, wild horses and all around and you know, he went out to that roost country with old AC Ecker and oh. gathered cows out there and so uh my grandpa was big into horses but he died before I came along. And he always liked a good horse, but but then when I come along, they didn't. They weren't that big into horses, but they just always 
kind of used my uncle's studs because they figured he knew what a good ranch horse was and a good tough horse. Um, so they raised a few horses and stuff like that. Um, when I was just in high school, I had one. I was breaking, and he, we got him. It was kind of a cold morning, but it was in the middle of the summer, and he, he bucked me off right when I got on him. Well, you, I mean, I rode him a couple miles, and then he bucked me off, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so I got back on him, and we were down to grass, and uh, there was. There was a big wash that run down through grass, and I rode down in the wash and um, gathered some cows out of it and followed them up out this cow trail. And uh, there was a big, like, not a big, like, little crater with sagebrush as tall as your stirrups, you know, and we gathered them cows out of there. And I was uh, waiting held up right there waiting for some more cows to come in and uh anyways I got there's some other cows across another little wash and I went to get around them and when I crossed that wash he kind of spooked when he kind of lunged he kind of lunged out and got kind of kind of got to bouncing and he spooked kind of spooked and tried to was trying to buck again so I held his head up and he took off running and we were headed right for the main wash, that big wash, and so I, I was about to bail off, and I didn't want him to call me a little wimp. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, I was like, "Well, I'll just wait a little longer." We got over there, <laughs> we got to the edge of the wash, and it, there's that crater and that big tall sagebrush, and I was like, "Oh, this is right where we come out." So he'll probably stop once we get to the edge, you know. And, anyways he uh he went we got to the edge and it wasn't right where i come out it was just a little farther down the creek but there was like kind of two craters side by side and i couldn't anyways and it was it was just straight off 40 foot bank and we went over the edge and anyways (laughs) so so we went over the edge and I remember when we went over the edge, I was like, this probably ain't going to happen twice if you live through it. So you ought to remember, and I think I passed out at that point in time. I don't know, but there was, I just remember too thinking that like there was just a little creek with a couple inches of water. And I was like, well, if you land in the water or something, you need to get out of the water in case you, you know, so you don't drown or something like if you pass out or whatever but I remember the look that horse gave me when we were I got up out of the water and was sitting on the bank and looking at him and he was looking at me like what the heck just happened <laughs> but anyways it, he ended up busting my saddle tree in four different spots he must have landed right on his back or something but we we parted company in the air and I landed a few feet away from him and no big deal just kind of banged my face up and bloodied my nose and stuff but Holy cow. How old were you when that happened? I think I was 15 or 16. Anyway, so we 
we headed home and whatever and and a few years later that well it wasn't a few years a couple of years later uh was that same horse we were trying to i was still trying to get him broke and uh we were on a cattle drive and my buddy had to make a phone call so we had to go up on the ridge to get a little cell service and and so I was like, well, here, let me just tie this horse to the back of the truck and you can just drive up the hill, you know, a little ways and get the edge off of him before I get on him and go to work. And, and so he gets in and he's just going and the horse is just kind of putt-putting along behind him. And I was like, come on, let's go, get going. And so he's like, speeds it up a little bit. And anyways, the horse is kind of, trotting along behind are you on him no i was okay. just in the back of the truck just the horse kind of trotting along and i was hoping to get him kind of in a lope you know just to get the edge off of him and i was like let's get going anyways the horse kind of hung back and then tripped and fell <laughs> and so so i'm like yelling whoa whoa and he thought i was still yelling go <laughs> so, so he's shifting gears and <laughs> and I'm pounding on the hood and trying to get him to stop, but finally we got him stopped. And it just banged my saddle up, my breast collar. It didn't hurt the horse or nothing, but <laughs> anyways. So, so like after, on Dukes of Hazard, yeah, yeah, it was kind of that kind of deal. We still get some good laughs out of that, but. Anyways, from those experiences, I guess I went down to St. George still wanting to learn, you know, how to start colts. I really liked cutting. That was kind of my thing, too. So, I, anyways, I went down to St. George and worked for a guy named uh, Bob Robinson. He trained cutting horses, and we'd work for half a day. And then I'd work for another guy, uh, Don Stewart, and he'd start colts and shoe horses. So he'd shoe horses in the morning while I was helping Bob, and then I'd go help him start colts in the afternoon. And so he uh, he showed me a lot about, and then he was pretty good at explaining stuff, so when I'd go help Bob, if I didn't understand something, I could go ask Don, and he'd kind of explain it. And then he'd also, sometimes his shoeing wouldn't quite work out to get scheduled in the morning. You have to do it in the afternoon. So so from there, I kind of picked up on a little bit of shoeing and kind of what he, he kind of taught me quite a bit, I guess, like as far as what I know and about starting colts and shoeing yeah about starting colts and shoeing and stuff like that and then and then from uh there uh the family's guy broke his leg and so they needed some help to get heifers calved out or something and so I so I spent a winter down in St. George doing doing that, and then I went back home. And and then just the 
way the family dynamics I left there and from there I went to Escalante and worked for the Flying V and had some some good times over there I guess (laughs) (laughs) who was the manager then when you went uh, so when I went to Escalante Aaron Stewart was the manager and I think I don't know if he'd call him the cow boss, but J.S. was the kind of the cow boss, I guess, is what he'd kind of been. And, and so that's, that was a, that was a good experience for me because you, a lot of times you grow up on a family, a family deal, you don't, you don't see you see what your family does and that's all you know you don't see you know a lot of different stuff and a lot of times you might be doing something that your grandpa did just because he didn't like doing it the other way you know and it may not be the best way just the way he did it so that kind of opened my eyes quite a bit you know to see in different country uh different way of doing things you know Aaron he cowboyed in Florida and a little bit here and there and JS you know with his family and here and there and they'd had different managers so they kind of had some different stuff and different ways of doing things so that was that was good for me and then of course I met your dad Todd over there you know and helped him a bit through the years and I've learned quite a lot from him too so it was uh it's good for me who would you say some of the guys that you learned the most from um you know Todd was quite Todd's a pretty good hand I learned a lot from him I learned a lot from uh JS like we I know I remember not too long after I got there, of course I was pretty game, you know, to do about anything, you know, I just loved it, and I remember we got down there, just going up uh, Main Canyon and North Creek right there on your guys's down in the, I don't know what you call that it, but, bottom right there. yeah, but there was a lot of tamarack, and there's some flying V cows in there, and we we were headed up on the mountain, but we seen them flying V cows in there. We're like, well, we better go get them out. And we, every time we'd get after them, they'd uh, they'd head in the trees, and we couldn't get them. And then we'd just dog them, and they'd come out, and then they'd run around, and just get back in the trees, and we couldn't get them. So we just started dogging them, roping them, and tying them down. And and that was kind of the first I'd ever really seen them lead cows out you know uh js would rope one and i'd rope one or something most of the time he'd rope one and i'd just heel it down but uh i caught one right there and uh and i just tried to tie it to a tree right there and it kept i kept losing ground (laughs) i kept losing ground losing ground so finally, I just tied it to the tree you know, on a long on a long line, and and uh, went and helped him lead one out. And when we got back, mine had 
hung back and fell off the bank and choked itself. <laughs> so that wasn't a very good experience, but anyways, it was... J.S., he was pretty understanding, but, you know, I learned a lot <laughs> from that, you know. And yeah. I should have tried a little harder or something. And so, but anyways, so... Was Flying V the first place that you worked as a cowboy instead of just, like, besides the family growing up and then breaking horses and stuff? Was that kind of the first experience you got? Yeah, maybe I better, I may ought to say this. So when I went down to ride cutting horses, uh, I learned a lot about handling cattle from the cutters because they, you know, they... They kind of have to settle the herd before they go in and cut them, and they do, you know, and it's all about reading cattle. So I did, I did learn a a ton down there with those cutters about reading cattle, handling, you know, like like they. I mean, that's kind of what cutters do, you know. Other than it's a little different, yeah. You know, so you kind of get a little take a bunch from what they do and apply it towards you know tame cattle fast cattle you know it just kind of and it anyways i i was really glad for that opportunity too really it's it's kind of shaped a lot of how i handle cattle and stuff but anyway sorry i forgot your question no that's good i was just wondering if that was like the first place that you went besides the family oh yeah, so the Yeah, so the Flying V was uh the first place I'd worked for uh it's like a cowboy job besides the family here and so it was fun. I guess from there I just went to to day riding around and and uh and that was good i i spent a lot of days in a bedroll i think before i got married <laughs> i spent about 300 days that year i got married in a bedroll till i got married and, Gosh. <laughs> and so i seen a i seen a lot of stuff there i ended up out at the sand hills uh with Tyson Johnson out there uh which is the Vermilion Cliffs not the Nebraska Sand Hills just the sand hills out there by House Rock Valley and I'd stay out for 2 weeks at a time and then come home for can't remember a Saturday or Sunday or and then head back out Sunday night you know and uh anyways that was that was a lot of riding, but it was, you know, it was fun. and just out there calving heifers and and uh, Tyson, you know, he trained cutting horses too, so we had a lot in common, and I could quiz him down about it, and he had some good horses and stuff. And Could you use your own horses when you went out to help him? Yeah, yeah, so, there, yeah, I was all... I was all all my own horses uh 
mostly wherever I've been day riding, I I just take my own. I've always just kind of got along with them and liked my own, I guess. So I just always kind of took them and kind of felt like that was part of my wages. Riding my own or, you know, I'd take start colts for people and ride a bunch of colts and outside horses and stuff, which I I remember a time or two getting in a little wreck with an outside horse. I had one. I had to pack some salt up on East Fork, and I loaded this horse up with this new horse I just got, and I an outside horse, and I loaded up with salt and headed down through the country, and something spooked it, and it went to bucking, and the block salt just like smashed together and just crushed and then just started flying out of the panniers that I had (laughs) and so then the pack tipped off to the one side because the one side scattered salt everywhere and the horse ended up bucking and bunked off the edge of the off this bank into this into this creek and it, <laughs> when I got over there it had caught its leg the pack the pack saddle or breast collar or something had kind of broke or the britching or something had came off I can't really remember right now but and maybe it was a pannier and something had caught that horse's hind leg and it was about <laughs> to drown in the river <laughs> and so I roped it out of there and I think I just caught the pack saddle with the rope and dallied up and just drag it out on the bank <laughs> got it all situated but anyways that was I had quite a lot of fun day riding it's been you can see you you never get bored with day riding because it's, it's always new people it's new places it's a new way of doing things and you kind of have to adapt to it and and I've always just tried to Anywhere I go, like, like, even if they're not that smart, I still try to pay attention and learn something from them, you know, even if, and so I've, I've enjoyed the day riding quite a bit, actually. Do you still do that some? Yeah, I, I day ride still quite a bit in the spring and in the fall. I kind of haven't day rode as much in the spring, uh. Because I started AI and cows for people and stuff, but I, yeah, I do in the fall still quite a bit, and I usually end up a few, get a few calls a year for people that need some wild cows or trashy cows gathered, so I do a little of that, and stuff but so day riding you probably have seen a lot of different country is there one area in particular that you think has been the neatest place you know that uh i don't know being in southern utah it's all pretty unique you know because i i've gathered cows out east of zions you know in fact i even well, we got called by the park to gather cows off the park in Zion, you know, which is, you know, it's kind of unique 
country down there other than its park i ain't a fan of that but (laughs) but you know the escalante's pretty unique and got some cool stuff and the arizona strip you know it's uh it's the same it's pretty cool i i don't i don't know that i really love any one spot more than the other you know i've been i've I've actually been day riding in six different states, you know, so so I spent a couple days in Florida, you know, a couple days in Idaho, uh, a couple days in Nevada, you know, a couple months in New Mexico, you know, of course, Arizona and Utah, and and I like it all. I I really do. Like I don't know that I have any favorite spot or anything like that. I mean, my Canab Creek permit's probably my favorite spot, but it's probably just because I'm a little biased and <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> do you mind telling us a little bit about the operation that you have, you and Carrie have going? No. So. Um, I guess after I got married, I went back to work for the family for a few years, and then the same family dynamic showed up. And and I had a good a good friend that he kind of was working and didn't really like his job, and I was kind of thinking of a way to uh, kind of help him out. And in the meantime, I... Uh, had purchased the creek and so I was working for the family full time and then I was you know running those cows on the side and anyways it was kind of a lot and so I was kind of thinking of a way to hire my buddy to to kind of run my deal and then uh I had just I had a little business plan of buying some cattle and uh you know freighting them around and then having a little freighting deal and if if he wasn't busy buying or taking care of mine he was you know running the truck or whatever anyways and so after the family dynamics kind of come out and i just was like uh i'll just go do my own thing and so i anyways i ended up taking that business plan to the bank and just starting it myself and and doing that so so when i first started i was you know buying and selling yearlings and 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 then we were you know running our cow calf and which is we kind of have a cow calf and a seed stock operation so uh we were doing kind of doing that getting it going and and the yearling deal with the market was pretty good and it kind of climbed there for a while and we did pretty good and then in the last few years it's kind of been up and down and around and you just can't out guess it and and so we uh anyways we we've kind of backed off that a little bit we don't we don't buy and sell as many as we used to, but we still 
you know, we'll buy buy quite a few. Well, not quite a few. We'll buy a few. We're like a doggy calf in the way operations <laughs> go. <laughs> but, but we still buy and we'll ship them to Colorado and finish them. And, you know, we'll put a load or two together here and there and and just kind of do whatever. But we're not. We don't do nearly as many as we used to and then our cow calf deals grown we bought another uh little ranch at, over by St. George and and you know so we kind of have that one and the Canab Creek deal and then then the yearlings and then we've we've just tried to on a lot of what we do we've tried to kind of make every aspect of the operation kind of pay for itself you know the creek's pretty rough and that wolf hole deals pretty thick trees and some of it and so we've we've had dogs we kind of need dogs or it's nice to have dogs to go gather that so we've we've tried to get you know some australian shepherds and get some papered stuff and some stock dogs that we can you know, sell some pups and stuff, and and so now we're not got a big dog food bill every month just for you know the dogs, and they're kind and of. You did that to make them pay for. Themselves, yeah, so the of. dogs kind of pay for themselves. So now you know, like instead of just having one dog because you don't want to feed five of them, or you don't bother you to feed five of them because you use them, <laughs> and they pay for themselves. You know, and then the. Yeah. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The horses, we've, of course, we, you know, we're horseback and everything, so we... We've kind of started a horse program a little bit, which I've been wanting to start for a hundred years, it seems like. But we finally got it in in place where we, we, you know, we got our stud, but we'll breed to outside studs too. But we just breed, you know, one or two mares a year, um, and start those start those babies, and and then after they're broke, we'll we'll either sell the geldings or kind of sell the worst mare and then try to breed the best mare too. Or, you know, sometimes the older mare or maybe a cripple one or something will kind of breed. So, so that's kind of our horse program. You know, once we get them kind of going, the geldings get sold, you know, and then, and the mares in the last couple of geldings we sent to a trainer to rope on for a while and then he sold them and then another guy that or a guy that bought one of them came back and just bought a a two-year-old gelding you know right out you know we didn't even start him or nothing and we just kind of put a price on him and said all right if you want him it's this otherwise i'll break him and and sell him you know as a broke horse and anyways he he bought him so that's kind of that's kind of our horse program you know and then the 
and our cattle. We were. Uh, you guys ride the horses that you raise. Yeah. You still have to buy some. You know, we've. I was in pretty good shape for horses. I was kind of been in bad shape for horses because that's what I've done for a lot of years is just buy horses and. And then when we went out on our own, I kind of got rid of everything, but I had two horses, which is my stud horse and then the, the mare I breed now. I kept my two kind of best horses and got rid of the rest, and then I didn't have to feed a lot of them. And anyways, and then once we got a little bigger and could kind of afford to collect a few more horses, then we started. Uh, we got another brood mare, and then you know, and then it it was an old mare, like twenty three or four or something when we bought it, and then got a couple of colts out of it, and then her knee she's getting pretty crippled up, and I just kind of put her down. I felt bad for her, and so so yeah, we've we've used those. We did buy uh, a brood mare. Well, she's a she's young enough to ride. You know we rider but but i kind of bought her in hopes of breeding her just kind of an out outcross to my stud you know and, but i was i was in getting in pretty good shape for horses till now my kids all start riding so <laughs> so they get rode all week by me and then come home on the weekends and the kids you know we go take care of our own stuff and so they get rode pretty good so yeah i need a couple more i may buy you know but but uh that's pretty cool that you can raise and use your own though for the most part yeah it's been it's been fun like say i don't know that i'm a great horse breeder or anything like that but they've seems like you kind of get a horse and you kind of like it and it's i don't know if it's a personality thing or or trainability or what it is but you just kind of get along with them and seems like you just kind of have a little better horse if you keep something you like and maybe you're just a little biased if you buy one you know it's not as good <laughs> as yours i don't know but yeah we've had we've had pretty fun i've had a lot of fun with the horses and stuff i've kind of kind of learning a lot i haven't figured out quite how to make a good cross on them yet you know like but so far it's kind of worked out you know mm-hmm. i didn't mean to cut you off when i oh, asked no. about that but no i can't remember i was thinking i was talking about the cows yeah okay so when i got married my wife she kind of raised her her dad and her kind of raised Simmental so I kind of got roped into the Simmental and when we got married he gave us four I think it was four heifers uh kind of as a wedding present kind of and kind of as a thanks for helping me out because Carrie helped her dad out quite a lot you know Mm -hmm. stuff and anyway so it was we got those and then we kind of sorted through some of the family's heifers and kind of bought a few and and then anyways we had those and we fed them hay the 
first winter. I guess they were just calves, so we fed them hay that winter, and then the next the next winter we fed them hay for most of the winter, and then we talked the family into taking them out on the strip to calve them. And then that year we bought the creek, and so uh, after that we we I've always kind of felt pretty strongly about cows that were tough enough to survive and and everything so you know like when I worked for the family the they'd go buy bulls for three or four thousand dollars or whatever it was and at the end of the first year they wouldn't even pass a semen test they were so thin and sore-footed and just Anyways, that always kind of irritated me, so so we we just decided that our cattle had to make it out on the range or we weren't going to have them, and, uh, and so we started uh, developing our replacement heifers uh, right down in the creek with their moms, um, and we started... Uh, and then later, and we'd leave the bull, bulls home, you know, the ones that we kept for bulls to sell for bulls, we'd, uh, leave them home and feed them. And then we kind of got to where we just decided that we ought to just develop everything down there and, and run cattle that were tough enough to survive and, and go out in these harsh ranges and, you know, do their job like they're supposed to. And so we started developing the bulls down there as well. And we've had pretty good success with it. You know, it's been, you know, it kind of goes back to to day riding. You know, you go day ride, you see cattle all over. And every ranch has skinny cows and fat cows. (laughs) And I just tried to pick out the fat cows. I tried to kind of look for traits, you know. And so when when we started doing our own thing, it was just we had skinny cows and fat cows, and we just got rid of the skinny cows and tried to breed the fat cows. And the thing that I've kind of found is there's a lot to do with body type and cattle that survive and do well you know it seems like to me you have to get them a little bit moderate but you have to get them thick that's thick and deep it seems like to me is the ones that survive and so we've we've spent a lot of time and of course we've ai'd you know since we started to try to get as good a genetics as we can that that work it's kind of hard ai and to pick a bowl that's will work for you know these conditions because there's a lot of yeah. good genetics but they're all you know developed elsewhere so that's kind of a challenge in our uh operation you know but then we still have some commercial cows that we just put a bowl on and just try to get big calves and stuff like that so 
So most of yours, do you end up AI in, and then some of them you'll just put them with a bowl? Yeah, so we we try, we AI all our Kanab Creek cows. Uh, well, we've we've done a little bit of everything. Our, our problem is, is we don't have, we're all just lease ground in the summer. And so we really don't have like a consistent summer deal, you know, and so... At least on this Canab Creek side, the Wolf Hole side, that that side's year round and it's fine. And those cattle we just kind of leave out there, leave alone, and don't we don't AI those. But these ones, so we've had to kind of come in out of the creek, you know, the middle of April, and then we have to feed them. And I've usually been able to get some lease some lease ground so I can turn them back out. So depending on kind of how my leases all work out and you know they're constantly kind of changing but but you know so we've ai'd anywhere from you know one to three cycles you know the last several years you know sometimes we'll i i usually try to get them ai'd one cycle and then and then i'll watch them the second cycle before i turn them out um but with hay being kind of pricey the way it is and different stuff, then we'll, you know, sometimes, like last year we had a farm, we leased a farm. It's the first year we ever leased it. So we we brought them in, AI'd the cows, branded the calves, and tagged them to their mothers and got them all paired up and all that. And, and then we just turned them out on that farm. So they only got AI'd one cycle last year but before that they you know they got ai a couple of cycles and have you noticed a big difference in your calf crop from when you started AIing? so the very first year i ran the creek not the first year this second year it had to been the second year because I so I I bought this I bought some old cows the first year from the family and I was still working for the family at the time so I knew what their good old cows were that were pregnant and I bought them and I ran them down in the creek and then I when we came out I AI'd them that year and then the next the next year I ran some cows for my brother-in-law and when we brought them out of the creek we just we brought them out of the creek loaded them on the semis brought them home and when they come off the semis i was in the alley and i just sorted basically off of the look and the quality of the calf and i don't think i screwed up like just and and to me it was it was nothing other than just simply the ai genetics you could just tell that much difference in the in the calves you know they were just that much better of a calf you know so so ai into me has been a big deal now where i've been ai in for several years and a lot of my cows are out of ai stuff and you know like like i can't tell a difference between a cleanup bull and an ai calf usually you know because they're they're you know we're getting pretty good genetics in there that are 
you know, they're still pretty consistent, you know, like I couldn't just be like, oh, that's a, like I did that first couple of years, you know, yeah. but. That's pretty cool though, that you could just recognize them coming right off the truck. Yeah. It was just like, they were just, you know, they just come running off the truck and it's like, ah, oh, that one's in, that one's by, that one's in just, you know, strictly off of quality. And I'm sure there's probably a couple that I recognized and remembered from trailing them along, but. For the most part, you know, 90% of how I sorted them was just off of size and quality and hmm. stuff. So, like it, I really thought it'd be 20 years getting cows that I actually was really confident in and and happy with. And it was, it wasn't that, I mean, it was more like you know, five years and I'm pretty happy with how my cow herd looks and, you know, like it, I really thought it would take 20 years to get where I wanted to be. And it's, it wasn't quite, I mean, like say it was, it's more like five years using AI, you know, it was get a couple of generations in there and, you know, and the cows are all getting a lot more consistent you know the the more you know time i put into them and stuff the cows are just getting more consistent more of the type i want and and my bull calves are all a lot more consistent you know it used to be the first couple of years you know i'd have big ones and little ones and and we just kind of kind of started selecting for what we want and and then we we'd breed them to like animals, you know, like a lot of times I think, you know, these seed stock guys, especially the ones that aren't like real knowledgeable and stuff, like they'll just, oh, this cow's too small, let's breed her to something big, and and then you don't, you know, or this cow don't, whatever, and so you, you start, you know, just zigzagging them all over the place instead of just be real selective only keep what you want and breed it to what you want and then you get what you want so which sounds simple when you <laughs> yeah it like that, but. <laughs> yeah it sounds pretty simple but <laughs> so i think it's interesting to hear the different um like every place it seems like has has a different obstacle almost and the hard thing about running cows where they run so what would you say the hardest part about running cows where you do is so my biggest mental breakdown these days <laughs> <laughs> is like where i'm i'm running a lot on lease ground it's it's just pretty hard to me uh because you you know you may have a piece this year, you may not have it next year, you may have it for three years. And and then you, so it's hard to go in and really want to fix the fence up like it needs to be fixed up because, you know, and the and a lot of the fences, the, the they just need to be completely redone, you know, but the the owner won't work with you. They're trying to sell them. Uh, and so you're dealing with old rusty wire and like, I've kind of ruined some cows 
because they can just go push through the fence wherever they want. I mean, and it, like unless I run new wire and new posts, and which is just hard to do that because it's a big expense and, and I may not have it next year, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of my biggest challenge is just trying to get enough equity, you know, to get some summer ground, you know, that I can, that's pretty consistent, you know, like that's been a big challenge for me, uh, you know, and then the same thing, like, like I like day riding and stuff. It's great. My wife helps out a lot. She does chores and stuff on gone and takes care of things, but it's, you know, you tell somebody you'll help them for a week and you get over there in the middle of the second day, you get a call that there's a cow on the highway or something. And mm -hmm. so, so it's like you, you fix the fences the best you can, but yet they're just old fences that they can bust through or a deer gets through them or an elk or something. And then, then there's cows out, you know, which is, you know, my wife's good. She can go put them back in and stuff, but you know, there's just those kind of things are probably the hardest things for me to deal with, you know, cause it just, like I tell somebody I'll be there and then I plan on being there. And then, you know, you have a little wreck at home or whatever and you, you're like, man, I got to go take care of this or, yeah. and once in a while is, you know, you'll be like the neighbor. Oh, I, we just gathered our cows to brand and we left one of yours in the crowd, you know, and it's down to St. George and you're over in Escalant and that's four <laughs> hours away, you know, yeah. or, you know, so that night you get in and you go drive all night, take care of the cow and drive, you know, to get back the next day. Like it's kind of, Sometimes it gets a little stressful that way, you know, but for the most part, it's pretty smooth sailing, you know, if you do a good job with your fences and stuff. And I try to, I know an old guy told me once, he's like, he was talking, he used to work for a farmer somewhere. And, and in fact, I was helping the guy build a house, but he, we'd talk a lot at lunch and he, Anyways, he helped an old farmer. He asked him what the trick was to be successful at farming. And the guy told him, stay one step ahead, basically, you know, like. And so I've tried to do a lot of that, you know, it's like, it's like I try to plan. It's like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a week. Then I'm going to set hay out, you know, enough for a week. So Carrie don't have to wor worry about it or mm -hmm. I'm going to go get this fence fixed because I know that I'm going to get busy in May and I can turn out in June or you know like I just try to try to just kind of live by that you know a little bit and I think that's kind of been a big help you know or kind of yeah on the flip side of that <laughs> <laughs> what would you say the best thing about living this lifestyle is so, like, I I just love it all. Like, really, I just, being out, sunshine, rain. I don't particularly care for cold weather, but. <laughs> I but think I, you live in the wrong place <laughs> <laughs> for that. <laughs> but I do love a good frosty morning up on the mountain, 
you know, hunting the remnants and, and, you know, the, my kids are getting old enough. It's been pretty fun watching them kind of learn and, you know, help me move cows and stuff. And like, they're getting, they're way handier than I ever was at that age, you know, like they're, they're pretty good and, you know, carry bottom that little pony and they've been got him started and cute. <laughs> I, he, I mean he was supposed to be nine and not broke you know and I, he may have had like he's pretty good acting for not you know for not being broke i mean as far as you know they just hopped on him kind of went to ride and you know like he didn't really give him a lot of fit he may have pulled a card or something i don't know what he'd had done with him but it's been pretty fun you know watching them you know ride and you know, and then going out, like, like kid, he'll go, we'll go ride for three days, I mean, pretty hard days too, you know, not just, and get home, and he'll be like, hey, let's go rope the calves in the backyard, or, you know, or Casey's like, let's, let's go practice cutting or something, you know, and so, that's cool. so, it's, that's been pretty fun, you know, like, say, I, there's not a lot that I don't really, dislike about it other than broken down trucks and flat tires and stuff like that but you know the the cow work and stuff i i like a lot of it i don't even mind fixing a little fence or building crails once in a while you know mm-hmm. seeing your ideas come to, into play and watching them work and stuff it's it's been good was it important to the both of you to raise your kids in this kind of lifestyle? Yeah, yeah, we're pretty, uh, you know, like that's kind of all I, not necessarily all I knew, all I know, but, it, you know, I've just always loved it and, and Carrie's the same. She likes it, you know, a lot too. And so, so we're, we're pretty happy with it and. You know, like say we're a little doggy calf operation. That's about all we are. We ain't, we ain't a big, big time or anything. But, but we, you know, we take the kids as much as we can, and even day riding. You know, I get to take them a little bit, and you know, and they just, they just love it, and it's been, it's been really good. We've, we've enjoyed it. We're not rich by any means, but. <laughs> We're happy most days Yeah. <laughs> when the cows aren't on the highway or something, <laughs> or yeah. we ain't got a flat tire. <laughs> uh, do you have any advice for people who are looking to get started? Well, it's a it's a it's a long, hard road, and it's I never really thought it was possible, but you just just put your head down and go to work and eventually you end up a little doggy calf operation. (laughs) (laughs) So I always like asking people too how, how they would define the word cowboy. You know, like I'm, I've been fortunate because I, in what I've done, I've dealt with ranchers and people uh 
in ag and and they're just good honest hard working people um you know and a lot of a lot of the in my mind the good cowboys and the cowboys are just like that Chris Ledoux song says, you know, they're the last to quit, you know, they're the first, you know, everywhere you go, it's like the, seems like the, you know, the Cowboys there, you stop at the gas station to get a pop or something, they're the ones that are going to go buy the pop for you, you know, when, or, you know, if you get in a, get hurt, need some help, you know, they'll be there for you, so, I don't know how to, I guess, define, define it, but, but they're, you know, the, they're just good, honest, hardworking, pull their own weight, you know, and I don't know if it's, uh, the cow or horse that teaches them that, but (laughs) (laughs) somehow it seems like all the good ones all have the same characteristics you know who are some of the best guys that you've rode with so you know your dad he's he's good with a horse he's good with cows you know good to be around he's he's definitely in the top have a lot of respect for him js is another one you know he's the same way you know just just good solid in there you know tyson johnson he was really good with a horse you know really pretty handy um you know there's just a list that goes on and on and on you know they're just those are the three that i've spent probably the most time with you know there's those guys up in Idaho, some of them were some pretty good hands, you know, like, like there's, there's puncher cowboys and there's buckaroos and I've kind of rid with both and, and, you know, I've seen, they, they still kind of handle the cattle the same way. It's just some of them are a little faster than others. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and old Brandon Akin up, Nevada now he's he's really good too you know there's just like say if I thought about it I'd I could name a lot more but those are just right at the top of the list so and and probably the ones I see and talk to the most you know so but I always like to ask people too what the funnest thing they have ever wrote <laughs> has been because it seems like those stories can get pretty interesting. Well, I don't know if I've roped anything too fun. I've tried a coyote or two and had any luck. No, like they've <laughs> run through my loop and probably the I've tried roping a bear on foot once. On foot? On foot. <laughs> but he was, uh, once he decided we were after him, man, them bears can run fast. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to sick my dog on him and rope him, but the same thing. Once he decided that 
dog's were after him and we were after him he took off but i'm trying we, to figure out how you got close <laughs> enough on foot <laughs> well it's just helping my cousin and uh once in a while like so he had a guy hired that would kind of full-time he's just a outfitter just a dude wrangler guy and and he his guy i don't know his wife was having a baby or something or I don't remember what he just for numerous reasons he'll call me and I'll help him for a day here and there or whatever once in a while and we were up at Boy Scout camp and they were just cooking dinner and this there's like three bear they come wandering into camp. Are you serious? Yeah, and so we're like, <laughs> let's rope these. <laughs> so we grabbed her. We were just roping the dummy right there until we. I'm trying to rope him, I guess, but <laughs> it seems like I roped a jackrabbit once for a second until he kind of hopped and kicked out. <laughs> but I haven't, uh, I haven't roped anything too too crazy. Too crazy. No. <laughs> well, I think I've asked all the questions <laughs> that I could think of. But if there's anything else you feel like you want to share, then. Well, I, I was thinking of a little funny story earlier, but I can't remember it now. So <laughs> I guess we're good. So. Well, thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. Thanks for letting me ramble, I guess. You <laughs> didn't ramble. That's good. Well, that concludes today's episode. Again, I just need to mention really quick that you can find us on Instagram at cowboy stories underscore podcast and if you'd like to nominate somebody to be interviewed for the show please feel free to send us an email at cowboy stories podcast at gmail.com thanks see you next time